And as we continue our story, there's this character that we don't hear much about compared to Mary, Joseph. But, but we know Joseph. He's in all of our nativity scenes. He gets his fair shake in the Christmas story. We love Joseph. But even in Mary's brokenness and her faithfulness to the calling God has placed on her life, we catch a glimpse of what it cost Joseph to accept the Messiah, the Savior, Jesus, into his life. But before we dive in, do you remember your first experience with Jesus? Or do you remember the first time your relationship with Jesus made things uncomfortable or inconvenient or actually just straight up cost you something? Maybe it was when your friends invited you to go out clubbing again or when you missed a week, had to miss a weekend trip because you committed to serve at church on Sunday or maybe it was a job opportunity because the hours would take away from your family. We've all experienced some kind of cost when it comes to following Jesus. And I remember the first big pull I felt from God, going to Bible school in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of nowhere Saskatchewan to a town of 75 people eight hours away from home, and worst of all, 40 minutes away from the nearest McDonald's. <laughs> and I remember wrestling with this decision. It would be so much easier to stay here, to stay home. There's more opportunities. I get to still be with all my friends, my family. I can continue to pursue all these other things. There were all these things rolling around in my mind, and they consumed my thoughts constantly. And I remember being on a youth retreat and just being plagued by these thoughts, not knowing what to do. And this voice or idea or thought just popping into my mind, do you want to be in the same spot as next year? And I firmly believe this was a push from God, his calling that he had placed on my life at this moment. And I couldn't do anything but follow. I didn't want to do anything but follow. Even though it may have looked like a costly decision, even though it may have felt like a costly decision in that moment. And we see this in Joseph's life as well, this faithfulness to the call of God, even though the cost was high. You see, when Joseph hears this, the news of Mary being pregnant, he has a very reasonable thought that I feel like many of us would have. My spouse has been unfaithful to me. I have to end this relationship. And it's even worse in the context of this culture, as this, was a, as this was a very big, as this would bring great shame on Mary and Joseph being with child before they were actually together. This is not the norm for them in this place or time. And so Joseph plans to divorce Mary, we see, but quietly. We see that Joseph is just, but also kind and compassionate towards Mary. Joseph is just seeking to do the right thing, looking out for himself, his reputation, but also for Mary. And taken, it seems that according to the text here, Joseph doesn't know the conversation Mary has had with the angel of the Lord. Like we've already said, Joseph is just making a very rational decision based on the information he's collected. Who can blame him? But even with all these things still whirling through Joseph's mind as he falls asleep, an angel appears to him as well, confirming that Mary has been faithful to him and this is a special child a son who will save the people from their sins. We see that this has been prophesied, that the people knew something like this would come, was coming, that the virgin would conceive and the child would be God with us, Emmanuel, the Messiah that people had been eagerly waiting for, the savior of the world who people had been anxiously anticipating for hundreds of years enters into Joseph's life in a very unexpected way. Now Joseph knows what he must do. God has called him to this moment to care for Mary and Jesus to take her as his wife. And so we see Joseph chats with his friends, some family. He considers how this will affect his social status and the implications of this upon his life and his 401k and all these things. No, Joseph doesn't hesitate. Joseph encounters the will of God, the calling upon his life on this moment and he faithfully accepts with no second thought, no going back. Joseph is all in for what God has called him to. 
But what did it cost Joseph? We've already talked about it a little bit, but this is a very honor-shame culture. To be found with child before marriage was clearly against the law, which made you unclean, which made you an outcast in this Hebrew culture and society. And we're given a glimpse into this if you follow the Christmas story. Joseph actually goes back to his hometown for the census that Caesar Augustus calls. And we're told, we're told there's no room in the inn. But when you look at the story and the original text, the word inn is better translated as guest room, which I think makes more sense. Like, think about it. If you go back to your hometown, someone's making room for you, right? Whether it's family or friends, there's someone back home that you know that you can crash with. And so Joseph goes back to his hometown, to his family, to everyone he's ever known, and they see him arrive with his pregnant wife, and the rumors spread like wildfire. And it might not be that there was actually no room for them in their homes. It could be that Joseph's family and friends saw the perceived brokenness that he was bringing with him, Jesus, and they don't want to be associated with it. They don't want to be a part of what God was doing because it looked messy. And this isn't something that I'm reading to the text for the sake of a story. We see that people are uncertain of who Jesus' father actually is, as, as seen in, later in his life in John 8, 41, where the Pharisees attacked the events surrounding Jesus' birth, saying, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God, making the slight at Jesus' family. Like, this is something that people will continue to be talking about through Jesus' life. And Joseph lives with this. The slander told behind his back, the shame of marrying an adulterous woman, all things that cost Joseph in this life. But we also see it cost him his comfort. We see the angel appear to him again in Matthew 2.13 and tell him to take his family to Egypt because Herod is seeking to kill the boy. And then sometime later in Matthew 2, he is told to move back, this time to Nazareth. Joseph's life did not get easier because he took Jesus in. But it was good because it was what God had called him to. There is now this perceived brokenness around Joseph's life. Like, think about it. From the outside looking in, Joseph's life is not ideal. He's married a woman whose firstborn may or may not be his. He's forced to move from place to place for safety of the child. Like, was it worth it, Joseph, taking this woman, this child, the stain it brought upon your name, the things it must have cost you in this life? And you and I, like, we would obviously say, yes, it was worth it because we know the whole story. We know that Joseph had a unique role in God's redemption story. We see that he got to be close to the Messiah in ways that no one else ever could be. Knowing what we know, of course it was worth it, Joseph. But, but do we live like that? You see, Joseph's life was totally turned upside down by Jesus, this child, but is yours. Are you okay with the perceived brokenness of your life with Jesus because you know the beauty that it will bring. People don't understand it, and they won't understand it. Are you okay with that? It will cost you something to accept this Jesus into your brokenness, and people on the outside will not get it. And no one would blame you if you kept your nightly tradition of watching Netflix, like you earned that, and no one would blame you if you kept your hard-earned money to yourself, like that's yours, and no one would blame you if you just want a night in rather than going and serving those experiencing homelessness or poverty, like life is tough. But an experience with the Savior, with Jesus, that changes everything, and it will change your priorities, your life, your schedules, and people won't get it. And maybe you've had this burning in your heart to start mentoring young people in your life. Maybe you felt this pull towards the ice district downtown. Maybe you've had this nagging feeling to be a part of the prayer movement at church. Maybe even the burden to take less hours so you can be more present in the raising of your children. Or maybe you felt this pull on your heart that this Jesus thing just might be for real. 
and you want to explore it. And again, no one would blame you if you didn't, but Jesus has made it clear it will cost you something to follow me, whether it's your time, your wealth, your comfort, your image. Will you accept Jesus into your brokenness so that he can make it into something truly beautiful? There's this book I've read a handful of times called The Cross and the Switchblade by David Wilkerson, and it's his story of being called by God from the middle of nowhere Pennsylvania to the streets of New York to work with teens and gangs in the 1950s. And it's crazy, his first couple times visiting go terribly wrong. He's mocked in newspapers for storming this courtroom. The teens he thinks he's supposed to meet are actually in prison and unable to meet him. It all looks like this colossal disaster, and he's not even sure if he got it right. But he's faithful. Even though everyone else around him cannot comprehend what he's doing, he continues to do it because he knows the call that God has put on his life. And then slowly but surely, he meets these, these teens on the streets, and the message of the gospel totally transforms their lives. They become totally new people because of one man's faithfulness to listen to God's call, even though all other signs pointed to the opposite. It will cost you, it may look broken, but God's beauty is still waiting. But we can't do this on our own strength. As much as it costs Joseph, as much as it costs Mary, as much as it'll cost you and me, it costs Jesus everything to follow God's calling on his life. Jesus, this child, the son of God, going among us, Emmanuel, lives a life as a lowly person with no beauty or majesty that he deserves. He's associated with the outcast, the broken, the hopeless. He dies a terrible death on a cross for you and me, the one that we actually deserve. It cost Jesus everything, but it was beautiful because it was part of God's mission in bringing us back into relationship with him. Jesus enters the story as a baby, but he dies as a savior of our sins, as Isaiah said. This Jesus, this child, it may seem from the outside that he brings too much of a burden, but for those who experience him, they see the beauty he brings. Will you accept that cost? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of your son, for his birth, life, and death, and resurrection, and what it means for us. We thank you for the gift of redemption, and that you advise to be a part of your mission to bring your message to our hurting world. And Lord, we ask now that you would open our hearts to what it is that you're calling us to, whether it's to accept your offer of life through your son or how you have uniquely called us to make him known to this world. God, I pray that we would make it evident to those around us what you're calling us to and that you would give us the perseverance to be faithful to that call. Father, we invite you into our brokenness of our lives and humbly ask that you would bring your beauty into this brokenness and that people would desire that same thing. Lord, in this season, we would build each other up as we remember the birth of your son, that this would not just be another Christmas season, but it would be one where we finally find our purpose and hope in you. Lord, we would be, be faithful to you through the rest of our service and in this season. In your great name, amen.